Hi, this is Jackie Asiwe and I work with SafeSource Africa. SafeSource Africa is passionate about conversations on Africa by Africans. Welcome to Community, the podcast where we, in real time, are engaging with what it means to share, support, and exist collectively in this time of COVID-19. You can catch us every Thursday on SoundCloud or on the SivSource website. Welcome to our conversation today. Our special guest is Dr. Goretti Nakabugo, who is deeply passionate about education, about learners, and about doing things right when it comes to raising the next generation of, of children. The conversation, of course, that we're going to have is about community broadly and what Dr. Goretti Nakabugo thinks. And then we shall narrow it down to what is the community of educators and, and education doing? What are they thinking about? What conversations are they having? What are the kinds of things that the lockdown and COVID have jolted for them? And what things should we maintain or even leave behind as we start to open up again and contend with a new way to do learning post-COVID. So Gorich, you are very, very welcome this morning. Thank you very much, Jackie. Thank you. And I hope you're doing well. And I'd like you to tell our listeners a bit more about yourself. Of course, I know you're not only just your job. So who is Gorichi? <laughs> I'm Mary Gorichi. I mean, I actually grew up in an era which is mm-hmm. pretty similar to what we are experiencing today. Uh-huh. In 1985, in September, when the liberation war, what we call the liberation war here in Uganda, intensified along Katonga Bridge, I was a primary seven candidate. And mm-hmm. we were dismissed from school mm-hmm. for almost six months. Mm-hmm waiting for the war to end and during that time we had no form of learning continuity whatsoever i mean growing up in a rural area when the schools closed we also closed our books until february of the following year when we had to revise quickly for a few weeks to prepare for the end of primary seven examinations so that is the context from which i come from but i mean I mean, during that time, you would say that the situation was quite different. If you look at the population of children in, in, in schools right now, you're talking about 8 million plus. Mm-hmm. In 1986, you're talking about about 2 million children mm-hmm. plus only. So the class sizes were small. Teachers knew us personally. Yes. Learning yes. was understanding. So the closure of schools never meant really a lot. Of course, we missed our teachers and mm-hmm, our friends, mm-hmm. but because mm-hmm. it was not COVID, we in the villages we could interact with our other children. So the playing yes. and learning from each other continued. Wow. So, so in fact, and and it's beautiful that you contrast it. So, what do you see as different twenty five years later? What is different for a learner now? I think when school was stopped, then. I would say that most of us had acquired the basics of learning. I mean, mm-hmm, I could mm-hmm. read in primary seven, almost I could read any text at my level and understand it. 
So yes. that is why when schools closed for five to six months, going back to school was not a problem. We could easily yes. go back. It, it was just a matter of psychologically preparing ourselves that we are now back mm -hmm. to school because mm -hmm. reading was not a hassle. We could yes. understand almost everything. I think the difference right now is that most of the teaching and learning that we have in place is not really so much for understanding. It's really short term. There are some skills, what we, I may call life skills of mm -hmm. learning that we had automated. It's not, it's the, dif the difference now is that you have quite a number of children, actually millions of them, who are in primary school, they have spent three, four, five, six, even seven years in primary school, but they cannot read. So if mm -hmm. you close school yes. a long time and when you reopen, many of those kids again are going to remain behind. Unless yeah. you put in place a system where you help them to catch up and they learn, you teach them at their right level. So mm -hmm. at the moment you have kids really, if they are not, I'm not talking about everyone because there's, they're quite a, a size, a good number of kids who can read on their own. But yeah. you have a big population of children that even when you are broadcasting a, a TV or a radio on t a lesson on radio or TV, you give them printed materials, they may find it extremely hard to navigate those materials. The other difference probably that we have is that in 1985, 1986, really there was no government to care it was a period of yes, so yes, nobody yes. thought about okay now these kids close or across katonga they've been cut off what do we do is there any learning continuity nobody thought about that and these are some of yes, the things that yes. they we take for granted so coming from yes. that history and watching what is happening you know as soon as covid knocked on the door even before we got the first case in uganda Minister of Education mm -hmm. here had already constituted, constituted mm -hmm. a task force for just the education sector mm -hmm. to think through what would be the implication wow. of this, what would learning look like. And they acted extremely swiftly to have the learning framework that we are talking about okay. at the moment and listening to different stakeholders. Mm -hmm. But many of us also made some input to say, look, much as this is a crisis, we must ensure that whatever we put in place does not leave anyone behind. And if you look at the learning framework that yes. we have at the moment, it is at least mm -hmm. on paper. How things are happening in, 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 in practice, that is subject to further research, deeper research. But if you look at just on the paper, yes. it is so equitable. You, Jackie, you talked about informally about your own children who are learning online. So government also within the learning framework, there are these materials which can be accessed online. You have lessons on TV, you have on radio. Mm -hmm. but there's also a component mm -hmm. of printed materials, mm -hmm. especially mm -hmm. for those prompts which cannot access anything electronic. You have hope that they may access these uh, printed materials. There was nothing like that. Nobody thought about us wow. in September okay. 1985. So yeah. there's a huge difference here at the moment. That's good. That's yeah. good. That's good. Um, and just for those who haven't seen or don't have access to the education learning framework now, can you give us the key highlights of that? So the learning mm -hmm. framework at the moment is focusing on primary and secondary. I think there's a separate learning framework for tertiary, for tertiary 
uh, institutions, which I haven't seen. So, so, so it was just to ensure some kind of continuity, and it does not presuppose that it is replacing what was happening in, in school. It is extremely impossible to replace the okay. place extremely impossible. What you can do at the moment is to kind of ensure there's some continuity that children don't shelve their books like we did in 1985, that parents don't give up. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, so, so the framework is looking at that and ensuring that there's a much, um, uh, so the, the lessons have been developed under that learning framework to look at what students or children had, had already covered uh, mm -hmm during the first term and ensuring that there's a focus on the key competencies that were intended to be learned mm -hmm. during the first term. And uh, so these lessons have been packaged to be run on radio, TV, then the, on, the materials have been posted online and uh, they are also printed uh, to, 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 to reach every child. So basically the learning framework is not replaced. They, they don't even assume that, that, that they can do that but they know that at least it will keep the yeah, kids yes. in motion of learning until the schools yes. are reopened. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Wow. Yeah. And um, what's happening on the teacher end? I think that is the part we haven't really heard about. To be how, honest, how are teachers coping um, yeah. during the season? How are they supporting learners? What kind of aids are they receiving to help them adapt to yeah. a learning style where they are not interacting face-to-face -face with their learners. Yeah, to, uh, to be honest, I think the main focus of the intervention, the learning framework, looked so much at the children and the mm -hmm. homes. This is a home study kind of package. So the mm -hmm. only teachers who have really been involved in these are those who were invited, I think, to work closely with the National Culture and Development Center to develop and repackage these materials. But also, I think at district level, they are inviting mm -hmm. a selection of teachers to kind of run lessons on, on radio. But most of the teachers elsewhere, because again, because of this social distancing, I think communities yes. would have made use of the presence of the teachers in their communities. Yes. But because yes. of the lockdown and social distancing, I think teachers are also on their own. So wow. there hasn't been much focus on the teachers during the lockdown. And uh, mm -hmm. what I, there's no structured research that has been done, but if you look at what is going on in the print media, on TV or even social media, a number of teachers are really struggling, especially yes. those teaching in private schools. Their testimonies mm -hmm. where teachers say that they, they last, some of them last got salaries in, in February. So you're talking mm -hmm. about March, April, May, and the more the schools remain closed, many of them can't even feed their families. And someone who can't even feed themselves, how can you even start talking to them about helping children in their communities to learn? So that is where yes. we are. And I think you raised a very important point. We need to think about the teachers because once the schools have reopened, they are the people we are going to depend on mostly to ensure that learning yes. happens. Yeah. And um, what do you think the lockdown um, has taught us about the way we need to reimagine learning or the learning community in Uganda? I really think one, for me, there are three things that I've got. The first thing was, is that even before COVID knocked, 
there are a number of things that we needed to think about mm -hmm. within our education sector. And the one thing was, I mean, even the basic concept of ensuring that no child is left behind. Mm -hmm. When we talk about the learning continuity and we make a lot of noise and say, you know, let's make sure that every child is learning. Did we think about the same thing even before COVID came? Were children actually at yes. the same level? Were they accessing mm -hmm. the same materials? Then the number two is the issue of where does learning actually happen? Does it yes. only have to stop yes. at school? Or mm -hmm. there's a huge mm -hmm. role for homes and parents mm -hmm. to play? How mm -hmm. do we ensure that even when, because at the moment, the learning continuity arrangement that we have in place, be it the, the one that has been instituted by the Minister of Education, be it that has been instituted, instituted by the, the schools themselves, of course, the well-to-do schools, the very nice private schools, they already had made arrangements for the continuity of learning for their children. And they had arrangements mm -hmm. in place for them to engage their parents. And children yeah. were already accessing some learning online. So that yeah. was there. But for majority of the children, many of them, learning, really the actual learning we talk about, only stopped mm -hmm. at school. When yes, yes. school time ended at home, first they, there was this informal learning of life skills, rearing goats mm -hmm, and cooking, mm -hmm, fetch mm -hmm. water and so on. But the formal learning really mainly stopped at school. Yes. The only printed materials that they had were the notes that they take in their exercise books. Maybe yes, for some yes. they have a Bible or a Quran. Yes, so how do yes. we ensure that even when COVID has ended, families are encouraged, are even supported to have some, to create a, a conducive learning environment for children that mm -hmm. is quite rich with reading materials. So that is why mm -hmm. one of the things that excited me about this whole intervention of the Minister of Education was the inclusion of the printed materials. I know, mm -hmm. I see it on TV that many communities have not yet received them, but let's assume all factors remain constant that the, the families that are deserving receive these materials. For me, mm -hmm. that is a huge innovation because for mm -hmm. some of these homes, that is the only reading material probably the children would have. So I, I hope that once COVID has ended, we have a continuation of that practice that children have reading materials at home and that the parents continue getting engaged with learning. I, I saw even the plea of the Minister of Education and Sport saying that, ah, oh, parents, now children are with you, ensure that they are learning. But parents should not think that this responsibility stops with COVID when schools are closed. Yes, yes, yes. Continue, and the responsibility of that continuation of parental engagement should not be just on the parents themselves. Schools mm -hmm. need to make to have an open door policy where the schools are open to the parents. But there are quite a number of schools which are closed. Parents only come in during PTA and just a few PTAs, parent teacher associations, and many of them don't even turn up. So we really need yes, to. Yes, yes. Because it's so critical. You cannot separate learning from homes and mm -hmm. from there, there should be that continuity and integration. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm.
Wow. Yeah. And another thing, uh, Jackie, that mm-hmm. I think that uh, COVID is actually telling us. Yes. There are some things that we had not focused on as a, an education sector. There was a very mm-hmm. casual attitude towards them. The issue mm-hmm. of water, sanitation, hygiene, and health. Ah, yes, yes, yes. I mean, when you talk about COVID, you cannot separate COVID from the wash. Water, health, sanitation, yes, hygiene, yes. And, and health. But a number of schools, till our most recent research, I mean, in Wesel, we do undertake research on learning outcomes, but we also yes. do survey uh, resources and infrastructure in schools. And our most recent national representative study indicated that at primary school level, but I don't think the situation may be too different at, um, at, at secondary school level, but even tertiary mm-hmm. education institutions, mm-hmm. this is an area where, I mean, we are really underperforming a lot. But at primary school sector level, only about 50% of the schools had a certain form of a hand-washing facility. And wow. out of those, only about 47 had a function, what you call a functional hand washing facility yeah. with water and soap. On average, you're talking mm-hmm. about 24% of the schools actually meeting the standard. I know later maybe this conversation would be shifting to what do we need to do to reopen the schools and so on. Yes, that yes. casual attitude to water, health, and sanitation has really to end mm-hmm. because now it, mm-hmm. it means life and death. In yep. primary schools, which are overcrowded, we cannot even think of ever meeting the guidelines of social distancing. How do you yes. ensure that? Unless you are mm-hmm. going to close schools for two days, for two years, for you to be able to put in place the right classroom, number of classrooms, recruit more teachers, that we may never achieve. But the simple yes. thing that we can achieve right now is the hygiene in schools. Educate mm-hmm. children that you have to wash your hands all the yes. time, mm-hmm. don't touch your face. Those ones we can enforce. But yes. right now, they are not there. So I think mm-hmm. this whole thing is telling us to reimagine the learning itself, but also the environment mm-hmm. in which children learn. And it should not just end with COVID. Wow, that's very powerful. And before we go to, and what next coming out of this, I, when you talk about no child left behind, and even when we think of what is being provided now during lockdown, I'm, I think and reflect on what are children with disability doing? What are children in hard to reach places doing? What are children um, of fisher families, you know, those that are on the margins? What, what's happening there? Are there any targeted, even within the learn at home, are there any targeted things for them? Thank you very, very much, Jackie. You raise an important point. And the technology that you, like, you use there is the children who have been left behind. There are millions of kids who have been left behind in, mm-hmm. in the education sector. And if I look at the, use the case study, the case of primaries, the primary education sector, a number mm-hmm. of children are actually far behind their grade levels in terms of even the basics of being able to read and, and, and count. I mean, I'll just give you an example. For example, if you look at primary five, where quickly those kids have been in primary school for five years, yes. who cannot read. You're talking about 
60 percent of kids at that level who cannot read at all so the population of kids who have been left behind is so huge and if you look at the deeper who are those who actually been who have been left behind mm -hmm, the mm -hmm, issue mm -hmm. of socioeconomic status comes in it's most yes. in most cases it's the very poor it's the rural people it's mm -hmm. if, if, if children who are studying in public schools of course who cannot mm -hmm. afford the cost of the private private education it's children who have not been able to access preschool for at least two years they go yes. straight and attack primary one yes, without any preparation yes. primary so they've been left behind and many of them are coming from those the hard to reach districts you're talking about mm -hmm, mm -hmm. about the, the fishing communities and so on so we need to think about them you talked about another another population that we normally forget about the mm -hmm. the children with disability the blind mm -hmm. the ones who can't hear so what do we do about them so mm -hmm. one thing if you look on paper on the learning continuity framework there was a plan to ensure that those children are not left behind children with disability mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. as we talk as, as at the moment because we have also been following up what is happening to those children so organizations mm -hmm. like society for children in uganda has been following mm -hmm. up very closely with the uh, uh, special needs education department in the Ministry of Education to ensure that these materials that have been distributed, and of course, they're also following up closely with NCDC to ensure that these materials that have been distributed on print are also translated or converted yes, to disability yes. friendly materials mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. Braille and so on but also trying to advocate for the fact that when lessons are being taught on TV, you also yes. have a sign language person. I haven't yes. actually found that only to see that is, whether that is happening. The challenging mm -hmm. one is the one on, on radio. What, what do you actually do when somebody's teaching mm -hmm. on radio and somebody cannot hear? So it's very yes. possible that a few children will be left behind still, but mm -hmm. you can write we should ensure that we remember those children. Even the printed materials that I talked about, they were intended mm -hmm. to reach the children that you talked about in mm -hmm. those remote areas, the mm -hmm. ones where you don't have a radio. You know, when we talk about, because I remember in the initial days of this learning framework and what do we do to ensure continuity there was a lot of talk saying yeah let us prioritize radio because now yes. every household has a radio i tell you until research was done and if you look at yes. regions like karamoja you have about three percent of households with a radio i mean households with primary wow. school going children only three yes. percent in west nile about 80 percent eight zero eight percent so wow. if you have this uh, arrangement of having printed materials, these kids would never hurt them. But now what we need to ensure, and this is really an appeal to government, but also other organizations, just like how, you know, for, for people in Uganda, we have seen how they've handled the issue of providing food to, to households mm -hmm. and pledging and contributing. We should have the same approach to the education sector. I see. A lot I was of just going to come to that, actually. <laughs> oh, 
I was just going to come to that to say, yes, we've seen a lot of giving in yeah. this time of COVID. Yeah. But who is giving to education? Yeah, we should actually, because, you know, even last night, I was watching TV and I saw this mm-hmm. community in Mwikwe. is just less than 100 kilometers from, from Kampala. And yes, this yes. guy is saying in the community, they only received, I think, five papers. One for P5, oh. one for P7. And I'm like, what are we doing? Let us start yes. mobilizing the population to actually contribute to the education sector because after COVID is gone, what remains is the knowledge that our children acquire because they are the future of this nation. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. So, yes, walk us to that future, Goretti, where if <laughs> you could wave a magic wand, what is the utopia? What is the ideal for you emerging out of this and the lessons that are coming from this? What is our education community utopia that we, not just utopia, that then we need to actualize one step at a time? I really think the future of education that we want is future that ensures that the children have acquired and received the foundations of learning. Yes. I mean, in education and education cycle, you call this the automation. I mean, Mm -hmm. I put my, I started off with a a story of my childhood. Yes. Where I had to be out of school with together children in in our communities out of school for five to six months because of the war. If we had not acquired the foundations of learning and we were really far behind the grade level at which we were supposed to learn. I wouldn't yes. be here talking to you today. At all. But Our nation would be all, struggling, actually. At all. But because yes. we had acquired these foundations, yes. the best, sometimes we, we actually overlook the best and pursue mm-hmm. things that we can never actually get. At the mm. moment, and I don't want to disregard the importance of those things, though, so we are talking about the... Um, 21st century skills, children should be critical thinkers, we should go for is it ICT and so on. Look here, where we are even the basics are not in place. Yes, yes. They are not in place, not only for primary school children, but also for secondary school children. I mean, our most recent research that I was referencing earlier, you would find Mm -hmm. even a 14-year-old child, 14-year-old child at that age, 60% 60% of them cannot read. So a 14-year-old child is supposed to be in senior secondary school too. So what is yes. the point of teaching this child senior to curriculum when they cannot even read? So for me, the education system that I really want to have, we should have had this long before COVID, but when yes. even COVID makes it even more urgent because yes. the noise that I hear out there is that no, you are, t- you are now giving us these materials, uh, but the parents cannot read, the children cannot read, they are not teachers to help. So one of the best, the, the biggest worries that everybody has is that, oh my God, the children are going to lag behind, the schools are closed, will they ever catch up? Children who were reading at their own level, and they had acquired these foundations, like we acquired in 1985, I can assure mm-hmm. you they are not going to, to lag behind. It will take them a week or two to actually catch up. The ones who are already behind, 
unless something is done for them to catch up, they will always remain behind. Even if you say we are going to have a dead year, or even two, two dead years, they will never catch up. Yes, so what we yes, need yes. to do to ensure is what we need to ensure is that when schools reopen, let us ensure that all our children catch up on those foundational skills, and then they will be able to learn any higher level materials with ease. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wow, thank you, Goriti. And that's a beautiful point to stop at, you know, back to basics, back to the foundations, because if the foundation is weak, the whole structure is weak. And so let's continue this conversation online, offline. How do we firm up the foundations, the basics of our education system so that that community is enabling us at a broader level, national level, become an even stronger community coming out of this. Goretti, thank you so much for your time. And we wish you the best. I know that this is work that you do on a daily and we applaud you and the many other colleagues working alongside you to make sure that we have a better education system and that no child is left behind. Thank you so much, Goretti. It's a pleasure, Jackie. Thank you so much. It's been nice having a conversation with you.